He had amazing ability to wind up even though he didn't speak English. I liked him actually, I enjoyed it. You know, he was a tough guy and he was aggressive and he was he was angry. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, 17 minutes past nine this morning. Alan Quillen is with us. Alan, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, lads. Yeah, good. A bit of a whimper as opposed to a bang start for the URC. Um, but at the same time, plenty of lessons for us to learn and plenty for us to get stuck into. Um, let's start with Ulster Connacht. I think we probably expect Ulster to be better than Connacht this year. And the difference between the relative strength and depth of the two squads was clear. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it was um, in in all the games. It was a bit rusty, um, which is understandable. I think there were a lot of them were disrupted with with preseason and players away and all that kind of stuff. Which teams right across the board, even the Welsh and Scottish teams, didn't have. You know, they lost preseason friendlies last week um, with the Queen's passing and stuff like that. So everyone was kind of disrupted. So um, you're going to see some mistakes and errors. But I think I was. A little bit concerned. I would be a little bit concerned for Connacht that uh, physically um, they got out muscled and dominated, particularly up front. Um, and with all due respect, to Ulster, um, I know they're building something, and Dan McFarlane has made them harder and abrasive, and they're a very good side on their day. Um, that would be concerning. That you'd be, you know, dominated. I think their discipline was really poor. Andy Friend spoke about it afterwards, and. And that's under pressure. And it wasn't... I know Connacht are missing some players as well, but I just looked at the back five and Thornby, Fafita, Paul Boyle, um, Connor Oliver, Josh Murphy. That's not a bad kind of loose five, second row, back row. And, you know, the game was very kind of even up to probably 30, 30 minutes. And then McCluskey comes up with that brilliant offload for Luke Marshall's try. And then... Um, the game kind of changed the momentum they scored another try and and you just felt at half time that even though it was only 14-3 that Connacht needed to come out of the blocks in the second half and, and show a bit of aggression and energy and they were just lacking a little bit it's worrying but not concerning it, it's worrying because it's kind of similar to the pattern that we saw last season in that um, they can't withstand a lot of pressure that eventually the defence breaks yeah, I think so. And look, to be fair, Ulster will probably do that to a lot of teams this year when they get on, on, on a roll. And I think um, they're a very balanced side and, and their attack is really good and, and they can hurt you. But I think four of the tries probably came from malls. You know, they didn't score the four of them from the malls, but just a little bit soft um, in, in, in their defensive efforts there in the forwards. And I think for Connacht, when they come under a bit of pressure then, and that's what Andy Friend was talking about openly after the game, you know, they, they give, they're they giving away penalties and they're they're kind of crumbling a little bit. You've got to be patient. But look, it's very early days and um, it's 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 a tough place to go. But to be beaten 36-10, Caelan Blade scores a brilliant try in 70 minutes or something like that. And it's, it's really only a consolation. But the game just completely got away from them in the second half and it was Ulster on the front foot all the time. Where, where are Ulster in the hierarchy of the four provinces now? They're, they're probably number two. Mm. Um, given that, they, Johnny, they beat Munster in that quarter-final last year up in Belfast and uh, convincingly in the end, uh, Munster had you know, probably brought one of their worst performances of the season to a quarter-final and 
Ulster, you know, have kind of stepped up a little bit. They should have beaten the Stormers probably in that semi-final in the URC. So easily could have been in the final. Um, when, when Ulster are good, they seem to be very hard to stop their flow, momentum. They play with pace, tempo. They have a lot of kind of X-factor players who can just do special things. You know, I know James Hume wasn't there the other night, but I love him in the centre. I think McCluskey has been brilliant for him. Um, they seem to know how they want to play and uh, are pretty, really, really well organised. But, you know, obviously they came up against Toulouse last year and, and were underpowered a little bit, which is... So uh, Ulster in Europe is is hard to see him winning a European Cup. But I think they'll be right in the mix in the URC and, and at the moment they're probably number two. Mm. Uh, how good is Nathan Doak? Um, I've always been impressed with him. I think um, he's matured. He's still so young. Um, control and they're very lucky because John Cooney brings a different type of energy as well you know they've two brilliant scrum halves there and uh, I, I think Nathan Doe could be someone right in the mix next year for, for the World Cup and even November we'll probably see him um, we we'll see, could see him in the A game or even against Fiji um, you know, I think he's he's always been touted as a, a top class player and and now is the time to get I mean he's still very young so you don't want to rush him and you don't want to invest too much hope at Still, I think twenty-one um, around that, and like, well, he's playing enough of big games, Jar. Now to be physically kind of used to the contact, the collisions. I think he's mature, uh, calm, and controlled. So you know he can only get better. But I think he's 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 right up there now to put pressure on the the Irish scrum halves that are ahead of him. Um, the Connacht obviously are off to South Africa. A nice, handy, it's tricky, yeah. handy it's start. Tricky from they got the Stormers and the Bulls in the next couple of weeks. But you know they are a side that that when they play and hold on to the ball, and it sounds very obvious when they eliminate mistakes and and they're a very dangerous side, Connacht, and they can score a lot of brilliant tries. And we've said that about them for the last number of years. It's just in these. They should have made that more of a dogfight the other night. They made it too easy at times for Ulster to score the tries. Um, and, you know, they can go to South Africa and, and, you know, they'll throw the ball around and they can be brilliant at that. But they've got to do the fundamentals well, scrum, line out, breakdown, things like that, and, and be more cohesive as a unit. Um, a lot of very, very good individual players, but I still think they're underpowered a little bit. And they're similar to Munster in a sense that, you know, they were in the market for front row players as well, but they're very hard to come by a year out from the World Cup as well. And not just from a budget point of view, but from quality being available. And uh, they have some young players coming through there that, again, like Munster, they want them to stand up and, and, and hopefully come through. But it's difficult when you look at the depth of, of um, you know, that, Ulster, that Leinster front row and stuff. It's, it's a great scenario for Leo Cullen to have that kind of quality. And it does make a difference in these kind of type of games. Yeah. Um, Connacht obviously have several players away with the emerging Ireland I think it's five in the squad or maybe it's six it's five yeah. five yeah so uh, obviously they'll be in South Africa at the same time as the, um, as, as Connacht playing those games too so it's going to be tricky for Connacht for this period of time you just have to hope they can yeah and then they've got they've got Stormers um, Bulls two games there you know it's, it's tough for any of the teams going to South Africa now um the South Africans coming into the URC have have you know particularly winning it last year with the Stormers and 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 an all South African final. Um, it, they're going to get better. They're going to get more confident. And yeah. I think it's good for the league and it's good for the Irish provinces to to keep testing themselves physically against them. So it's a tough couple of weeks. 
if they got a win there, one win, um, it'd be great. Uh, but it's a tough look. And Dan McFarland, I was reading quotes on him. It, every team seems to have a difficult run at the start. Um, I remember Munster last year, two home games against the South African teams who were completely disjointed and just trying to get together. Uh, but this is difficult for them. And then they've got Munster at home in that, that fourth one, which I'm sure they'll be targeting and they always get up for that. And, and Munster Connacht games in the last number of years, there's been a nice bit of bite to them. But you think it's a very tough start for them. And it's the last thing they need, Jer, because they need to try and get a little bit of momentum I think they'd have been very disappointed last year to, to kind of slip down a little bit and not make the playoffs, not make Europe. Um, because I think they, they were building something really nice for a couple of years there. And yeah. It's just stuttered a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, and we, we, we hope hope that will re-emerge. That and it's difficult from budget-wise. They ah, don't have the same type of finances and, and it's difficult to, to get players. The um, the Emerging Ireland game is 10 days away or 11 days away at this stage. The first one's the Friday um, afternoon and then it's Friday, Wednesday, Sunday. So which is more important at the moment for Irish rugby? The next three weeks of URC... Or that emerging Ireland three games. I was speaking about this with Adrian on Friday. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think the international team always takes preference for me. It has to, and that's even if I was a player, it it can be frustrating um, if you're a, a provincial player and you're losing players to emerging Ireland tours, Ireland A's, internationals, or they're not played in the derby matches at Christmas. Um, I think it's the most important thing, and we we spoke at length the last time didn't we after the World Cup when we came back about how can we find something that's different that we can at least kind of throw our hat and say well we tried something different and I think the credit to the Irish team they've tried the, the Irish management they've tried to do that we were speaking about you know picking players who were playing for overseas clubs and seeing what they could they bring back and, and kind of closing off that or opening up that loophole and saying well we can select guys from abroad I, I think this tour is, is, even though when you go through the list, there's probably four or five that you would think could actually now go into an Irish team in November. There's probably another three or four could put their hands up for a World Cup. So it's kind of, if you get five, four or five players out of this in the next year, I think it's been a success. So I think it, it's, even though it's probably frustrating for for the provincial coaches and it's, you can think Andy Friend is trying to pick his team Peter Wilkins up this week and you know have everyone available try and get their their internationals back as well and you think you're going off to South Africa and you're you're losing a couple of more players Munster's team next week will be totally different 10 of the players they've 10 going haven't they is it 10 or 11 they've 10 all those 10 were involved in the match against Cardiff at the weekend and yeah. all that 10 are gone now yeah. so I suppose you've got to get the got to get the good of having them on your squad so you're definitely playing yeah. them if they're not going to be around uh, it's it's tough it is tough um I, I do want to ask you about um kind of in that context the the Leinster Zebra game it was interesting that they didn't start with Frawley from the start that you know the the well he was in New Zealand so I think there might there must be some sort of a some something different here because I think the, the the plan was that you know within reason obviously the guys who started the tests in, in, in New Zealand wouldn't be involved till round three that's that's kind of was the plan okay. so you know Kieran Frawley didn't start the test matches so 
you know, maybe there's a different reason. It counts the same, does it? It's, yeah. I mean, it's very... It's it's never made public, this player will yeah, play this number yeah, of yeah. minutes. So it's an individual thing, so I'm not privy to what, what that was, but I would imagine it's because he hasn't... He didn't start... Because when they came back from New Zealand, they would have had an extra couple of weeks off and obviously going on their holidays and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I was surprised to see him involved, but maybe there's a break factored in somewhere along the line for him in the next couple of weeks that... Um, or maybe Leo Cullen asks, could we have them for the first couple of games? Yeah, what does, sure. what does Leo Cullen say to them after that after that match where it's like this could have been one of the greatest collapses ever? Like, or was um, it was it something that they kind of were vaguely in control of what they were? You know, we're, we're still going to win this. You think, Johnny, at twenty eight? I think it was was it's twenty one nil after twenty six minutes. You're thinking this is going to be fifty sixty pointer here. Um, and like from a neutral's point of view, you're thinking, God, it's brilliant that yeah. Zebra came back and they're making a fist of this and they're actually playing brilliant rugby. Um, like the offloads they had in the game, the, the line breaks were f- all superior to Leinster. Leinster were very efficient and direct early on. And um, I think after the game, you're kind of going, first and foremost, you're kind of wiping the brow saying, thanks be to God, we could have lost that. I mean, if you look at the last couple of minutes of that, that game, it was... You know, it's 33-29 and they have brilliant opportunities. They're holding on to the ball. Eventually they drop it mm. and there's a, an air relief. I think the changes that kind of came in, Leinster were right down the depth chart there and, you know, they just needed a little bit more control and composure and um, and they didn't have that. So you can take you can look at it from two ways. It's a great learning experience and you still got the bonus point win. They shipped 29 points, like... Yeah, they did, and and you know, given the, the scoreline the way it was, um, they lost the second half nineteen five. Mm. Does that make any difference? Not really. And you know, the points, the bonus point was coming home for Leinster, but um, a little concerning again. But it's it's hard to be critical on any of the teams at this stage of the season because there's going to be a bit of rust. They obviously switched off a little bit. Leinster standards have been so high, and and they've always had this kind of rootless word connected with them. Even with their their you know with their internationals gone, so I think that's kind of a, a kind of a pivotal moment. But if you think back to the last year, they lost a the game early on. I think it was first or second game away to Dragons mm. over in in Rodney Parade in Wales, and um, or they barely won the game. I think they barely won at seven six or something like that. And there was a lot of criticism there that um, so they turned around their season and went on a, a, a pretty strong run so I wouldn't be too concerned mm-hmm. with the depth they have but it was brilliant to see Zebra kind of you know show their quality the and Parma and the name now as well and they're trying to kind yeah, of yeah but I think they'll thing. score a lot of tries yeah. this year they've like 20 odd new players yeah they have yeah, and they've some brilliant attacking players their back three were outstanding and um, so yeah it was a game they I think that he would have been reading the right act him if they lost it in the end, but it was it was it was it wasn't a case of they were comfortable the last kind of seven or eight minutes. Um they were kind of defending very strongly, but Zebra kinda lost control of the ball and stuff. But um yeah, they'd be happy obviously in the end, but let's move on to, to Munster then. Um they're beaten twenty thirteen in Cardiff on Saturday afternoon, game moved from the, the Friday. Um you were talking about rustiness and they were super rusty like Malachi Fekatod I think knocks on his first ball which you know and then he gets into the game so this is we're not we're not making any um, rash judgments on it what will the team have learned from the performance what, what will they be thinking okay well that didn't work this needs to improve is it 
is this was that essentially the start of like a pre-season friendly still because they haven't played enough games together yeah and I think it, what, what, what kind of stood out for me was that um, and I think Graham Rountree had to do this even though because of all the changes he has in the next couple of weeks and I think because of the emerging Ireland tour things could have been a little bit different in pre-season where they actually said well, let's try and get as many of these players who are going to start the first URC game playing against Gloucester and London Irish but because after they play Cardiff there's going to be 15, there's probably 13, 14 changes next week to, yeah. to their game um, against Dragons that he had to mix and match those pre-season friendlies so they haven't got a kind of a clear and sometimes it needs a couple of games there was some positives in the game definitely um, what they were trying to do you could see from the attack um, I think what they lacked a little bit was control themselves and just sometimes making a decision to say you know what it's a little bit risky here trying to move the ball and, and someone calls a play and they're trying to get a bit of wit in it um, and maybe it's time just to put the ball down or find a way to, to, to kind of get some territory and I think right at the end Cardiff were just kind of inviting them onto him believing that they'd stopped them and they'd turned them over at the breakdown and uh, they got the score right at the end you know I think if you look at Munster getting a losing bonus point there was it's not a bad result given that the starting team had 13 Welsh internationals and it say. should have been 14 Owen Lane pulled out before the game in the warm up and Alad Summerhill came in he's a really good player so when I was doing my research for this game is it um, the strongest Cardiff team in a long time? It is, yeah. And Di Young has said that himself. I think, obviously, Liam Williams went off and it was very unfortunate for him. He's he's a top bloke. But they brought on Rhys uh, Priestland. Like, it's, you know. Yeah, so they have, you know, it's 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 a strong side. And a lot of these guys played against South Africa in, 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 in the summer. So you can kind of look at it both ways. I think Munster would have been frustrated. When they look back at the video, they'll be quite frustrated as a lot of the time they got caught kind of behind the gain line with an impact tackle and three or four monster players ahead of that player so to, to retreat and get back around and resource the ball was difficult Cardiff were really counter-rucking very aggressively so they got turned over a lot at the breakdown very concerning I think the the knock-ons and the drop balls were starting to become a little bit alarming uh, you know as the game went on and, and I don't know is it just guys switching off or just being a little bit rusty but I thought you, you know Fekitoa started you know he's running that hard line off a line out and he knocks it on hits him into the middle of the chest Chris Farrell dropped a couple Alex Candelan, um Paddy Patterson was, was superb with his delivery and his sniping probably just got a bit excited and put two grubbers in it at times when he was making great breaks but I think he was absolutely brilliant in the game um, fell off a couple of tackles and if you look at the three tries they conceded well they'll be frustrated with that I think really frustrated so you can look at it both ways certainly from their own viewpoint when they when they analyse the video and if you're being harsh analysing what they could do better um, the breakdown and the, the ball the, that ball handling needs to be a lot better OK uh, all fixable like well I would think so yeah but that comes with a bit of cohesion as well Ger. so um, you know I think it's very early days I think um, sometimes it's down to personnel as well and what, what they can and can't do but you know Chris Farrell looked very frustrated coming off um, he's a much better player than probably 
what we what we saw early on. Fekatoa the same looked frustrated. Um, he had they had, they all had glimpses in the game. Um, What's the story, Frisch? Um, people saying that he's like a, 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 you know potential bolter for Ireland sooner rather than later. That's I mean everybody who comes in who we've never seen playing in an Irish context all of a yeah. sudden is like the the next bolter. But what what is like what's a what's his ceiling? I think they're very, very, very enthused by him. Um, his potential, um, obviously. He's still a very young player and hasn't been exposed to, to top-level rugby consistently. I think he, he they were impressed with him in Bristol as well and what his potential is. He's still only 23. So um, what I'm hearing is that they really like him and he has serious potential. And I think that's why he's going on that emerging tour to South Africa. He is someone who could come, in the, uh, come right into the mix. Obviously, we've got to see it ourselves and he's got to do it. You can be enthused and excited about certain players, but they've got to show it then when they go out in the field and play. But I think he's someone definitely that they're really, really happy with and, and uh, they're hopeful that he can make a real impact there. OK. Um, is there any word on the long-term injuries around uh, Munster, R.G. Snyman in particular? It's kind of gone yeah, very I quiet. I think he's pretty close. Is I he? think, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, I think they've been obviously trying to get this right. Um and make sure that, like any knee injury, I think there was a small little, you know, soreness there and, and a cartilage issue over the summer, which is fine now. Um, and I think, look, he he's someone that obviously they've, you know, he's a game changer if he's playing for him. And yeah. everybody, I think, uh, wants to see him back and playing. So I think he's pretty close. Um, it'll it'll Whether it'll be... Whether it'll be in the this block of, of matches, I'm not sure. But um, I'd rather hold him back for another couple of weeks and have him, you know, for for Europe and and post Christmas and stuff like that. But I, I'm sure he wants to get back playing himself. And when he's ready, he'll be ready. But I think he's pretty close. The last thing we were talking about um, in the build up to the whole season was their front row and and the need for players to step forward. Obviously, we're not going to make a judgment yeah. after one game. But was there anything encouraging? Well, signs? I tell you, that, that's what I was going to talk about. Uh, Keenan Knox and Roman Salanoa. Again, early days, but they're up against internationals there, you know, and Reese Carey, um, he's a very strong scrummager. I think um I think both of them played really well. Okay. I think they were just and I looked at the scrum each time they were rock solid and they were getting a little nudge at times and that's the stuff that I want to see before the stuff around the field because that's where they're gonna be judged. And I think both of them played you, you know, can layer really on the stuff around the field. Yeah, well, let's see. Um, you know, both of them are... Well, Ken, Kenny Knox was making carries, uh, trying to poach ball, making impact tackles. When Roman Salanoa came on, he was the same. I think he hit uh, Talupi Falatau at one stage and smashed him backwards. And I think he did that on a couple of occasions with Cardiff players running hard. And, and he has that kind of strength and power. Yeah, so as much as, as RG Snyman's going to be a game-changer, having those uh, Having two them getting better, yeah, for yeah. sure. And they've got to... Stephen Archer is, is, has had an injury for the last few weeks. And, you know, the next tight is James French. So that's an area that there is concern. And if those players step up and at least get their set-piece stuff right, yeah. i.e. solid, rock-solid scrum... Well, that'll be a massive plus for Munster. Okay. Anything else on the weekend? Well, the, the rugby championship's still alive. I think, obviously, when, when South Africa 
South Africa Argentina that was incredible a game the other night with Argentina were pretty dominant 22-6 or South Africa pretty dominant 22-6 up and then Argentina come right back and uh, and then they changed gears and just won it in the end so um they're all level at the top, New Zealand, South Africa, and uh, New Zealand game insane as well. Like just like right at the insane end. Insane on Thursday morning. It was <laughs> just incredible. Australia have written to the World Referees Board saying, "Come on, well, well, come on, come on. This needs to be fixed." Um, I, and I think obviously technically, you know, uh, Matthew Renal was right. Um, there's footage there that you can clearly hear him saying it numerous times, but we haven't seen it before. You know, we haven't seen. No, it. it's like the um, it's like the free in GA when the goalkeeper comes out of the the small parallelogram. It's actually supposed to be at one stage it was a, it was a free if if it's seventy sixty five to the opposition, and you're like, oh, that seems. And then it happened once, I think, in like a, an underage final, and it was like, hey, no, this you can't you can't be doing this. But uh, maybe you it's can. A big big call, and, if and maybe you just do it now from now on. TV, you know, you'd be thinking we'd be given out as well. Yeah. So um, all right. Yeah, look, if they're going to do it now, he, they probably have to do it throughout yeah, back, the game. Back you know, if you go on, I just, I'll finish with this. If you go on to YouTube and you watch a game, the highlights of a game, or, or even put on a full game on YouTube, and you, and you say, right, the ball has kicked the touch, and you go for a line-out, and you press forward, forward, forward to get to the line-out, you can probably do that three or four times, and they're 15-second blocks before the line-out is even set. So there's definitely issues in rugby, and it's same with a scrum, Johnny. If there's a knock-on, you can hit it forward three times, I'd say, before that scrum is actually set. So we have a lot of dawdling and foostering and delaying yeah, yeah. throughout, yeah. throughout the game. That'll change that, the game if they, if that they it, fix that. Yeah. All right, Alan. Good stuff. Thanks a million. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 